Hello, hello everyone! Thanks for tuning in. Just a quick note before this episode. The sound quality is not like usual, but give it a couple minutes and you won't even notice, promise. Uh, Plus, this is really fun. This is a fun one to get excited. Hi everyone, welcome to Phantom No Danny with Simone. Today we've got a very special guest, super excited. Brian from uh, Biltmore Greensboro Hotel is going to tell us about some of the ghosts. How are you doing today? Great, how are you? I'm doing great. Okay, um, so could you give us a little bit of background about the hotel? Sure, absolutely. Um, so originally the property that it sits on was purchased by Jeanette and Caesar Cohn in 1897. Um, that was the result of a lawsuit that the city of Greensboro and the state of North Carolina had brought against Cone Exports and Commissions Company. Mm-hmm. And is this related to like the Cone denim? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, Caesar and Moses Cone came to Greensboro in 1897, purchased an iron mill, converted it into a cotton mill, and then by 1897, this mill had generated so much tax revenue that the city and the state had taken notice to this. So what they did was they sued. Cone Exports and Commissions Company, forcing mm-hmm. them to open an office in Greensboro so the city and the state can retain the tax money. Um, so in the summer of 1897, Jeanette and Caesar Cone purchased, uh, to my understanding, the last of the 12 empty plots of property in what was then considered downtown Greensboro. Okay. Which was about 15 acres of land all accumulated together. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> so we found um, the handwritten deed from the deed of registers from here in Greensboro in 1897 to where they purchased a two acres plot from the corner of West Washington and Ash Street to the pillar at West Washington and Green. Mm-hmm. Now this was very confusing because there's not an Ash Street in Greensboro, especially not around the hotel any longer. Um, so we actually had to go all the way back to, to a uh, bird's eye pencil drawing of the city in 1891 wow. um, to discover that what we now know as Green Street originally was ash and the alleyway that now runs beside to the right of the hotel um, and the is now part of the entrance of the green street parking garage Mm -hmm. that originally was green street Um, and that location that cross street there um, will become a bit more important in 1932 Um, but what they did was they will then construct a three-story brick building with a basement the architect, um, Orslo Epps, was a favorite of the Cone family, um, so he built them a three-story brick and cast iron building. Um, there was no wood used in the original construction wow. of this building. Yeah. Well, the, the, since the, it probably was because since the city and the state forced them um, to open an office here in Greensboro, they built what would be described as, when they opened the building in 1903, as the most well-equipped and state-of-the-art building in every way so what this meant was they had constructed probably one at that time one of the tallest buildings in downtown Greensboro. Wow. Um, it had been faceted with electricity and a new technology um, of indoor plumbing. Um, then in 1920 they will install, install Greensboro's very first electric elevator. And the cones would reside in this building um, as their main operating headquarters until 1924. Um, by this time, all all the meals are up and running. Print uh, print shop is is booming, um, and uh, the Cone Empire as was well on its way by the night by the time mm-hmm. they leave this building in 1924. Um, so what happens is there's a gentleman, um, several gentlemen, cotton brokers that had came with the Cone brothers um, at the turn of the century. One of them particularly was um, his name was Philip Mullins. 
Philip Mullins and his cronies um, will purchase the building in 1925 from the Cones and turn it into hmm, offices, if you will, is what the city directory said at the time. Okay. Um, we do know that they leased the first floor in the basement to the post office in 1927. Um, but more importantly, in 1925, 1926, they will sell the top two floors of this building to a very colorful lady from the, from Stokesdale by the name of Ava Taylor. Mm -hmm. um, she will reside in the in the building under the guise of an apartment building up until 1965. But in 1932, that same Philip Mullins, who um, who had sold to Miss Taylor upstairs, uh, he will protect her. Um, him and his business partners will protect her in 1933 when she is brought up on charges of impropriety. And impropriety meaning? Impropriety meaning that Miss Taylor was housing more than five single females at the same address that are unrelated through blood or marriage. And this, by the city officials, was a gross violation of the, of the Bordello laws inside of Guilford County. Wow. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Miss Taylor was quite an entrepreneurial woman. Um, so what will happen is Philip Mullins, um, of course, in 1933, the post office will abruptly leave when Miss Taylor is brought up on charges. Um, but this also begins kind of a um, uh, head count <laughs> for, for, for those who are permanent residents here at the hotel. Mm -hmm. So in 1932, um, Philip Mullins, the gentleman who had purchased from the Cones, his body will be found at the, at the intersection um, or at the corner, actually, of Green Street in West Washington. Now, if you go from a modern map, that's on the far side of where the hotel is actually located now. Okay. But if we go back to that 19, the 1891 map, when Green Street was now was the alley. Oh yeah. Then that's where his body would have been found. All right. Um, so he had supposedly had jumped from one of the third floor windows. The report that was filed um, that gave that curious ligature mark around his neck. But it was still deemed as a suicide given the t nature and the reputation of hmm. the building at this time. Okay. Um, Philip Mullins originally, uh, he was identified uh, through a picture that we have of him in the hallway. Um, one of the ghost hunters here in Greensboro took that picture and actually found the picture of an actual Philip Mullins from New York that came to Greensboro around, so cool. around 1899 and they did the, the genetic layover. Mm -hmm. They laid one picture over the other and by the computer and lining all the facial features up, we discovered oh. that that's exactly who that was. Mr. Mullins' son and wife had died in New York mm -hmm. um, around 1899 before he comes to um, before he comes to North Carolina, Greensboro, and they had passed away from fever. So Mr. Mullins will recreate himself, I suppose, um, here in Greensboro. Him and his business partners also have ties to the O'Carroll brothers who were um, part of the ringleaders of the Irish mob back in New York where he was oh, from. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So more than likely, they, they will form the Dixie Dairy Company, the Dixie Life and Fire, the Life Insurance Company, uh, the Dixie Fire Insurance Company, mm -hmm. the Dixie Dairy. They never sold an insurance policy, never milked a cow, and never <laughs> cut a board. Um, they were, though, in the only building with hot and cold running water in a town that is mass-producing cotton, juniper, corn, and indigo. So from the leftover uh, materials from the corn, of course, in the south is what moonshine is made from. Now the juniper berries, of course, was used to, to make denim its blue color and also used as fabric dye. But the plant itself can be turned into gin. 
Until the late 1960s, Guilford County was a complete dry county. The consumption, transportation, um, or production of any spirited beverage within Guilford County was completely prohibited. Mm -hmm. So more than likely what Mr. Mullins and his cronies were doing is they were making gin and moonshine. They were, and they were doing it right in the heart of downtown at that time. Wow. Um, and Miss Taylor has her apartments um, with only female tenants upstairs. Uh, so my best guess is that Miss Taylor's ladies um, provided the entertainment and Mr. Mullins and his uh, cronies will provide um, the lubrication and the accoutrement um, <laughs> that will keep the party going um, mm -hmm. here at 111 West Washington Street up till 1965. But his body was found in 1932. Do you um, believe that he jumped or that there was foul no, play? I believe that there was foul play. I don't Me believe too. I don't believe that I don't have I don't have a suspicion that someone um, who committed suicide would hang around. That's not necessarily the point of killing yourself. You want to be gone from this world and whatever realm may come after that, that mm -hmm. I suppose. Um, so if you're killing yourself, you're wanting to be done with the whole situation. And in the, in the late 1920s, early 30s, it was a very popular way of killing someone was by choking them out with, say, a lady's pantyhose or a piano wire. It was all very dramatic. That was mm -hmm. real? That I was actually was a very real thing. Only in, like, Hitchcock movies and no, stuff. That's, well, that's where he got it from. It was a very popular practice to kill somebody, you know. Um, very dramatic. Uh, way of doing it. Yeah, definitely. So more than likely what was happening was Mr. Mullins either knew something that he wasn't supposed to, was going to say something that he wasn't supposed to to somebody, mm -hmm. um, so Mr. Mullins had to go. And that's exactly what happens. But the most curious thing about Mr. Mullins' death, not that he was you know, jumped from a third floor window or that he may have been choked out by a piano wire, but we found the shipping papers to where his body was boxed and crated and shipped to Atlanta, Georgia. Does he have family in Atlanta? We found absolutely no um, record mm. that he was actually ever from Atlanta, had family in Atlanta. It is a very strong possibility that maybe his wife's family was from Atlanta. But his wife and son was buried in New York. Yeah. Because they died of fever there. So we're not exactly sure why his body was shipped back to, back or not back to, but shipped to Georgia. Also, there was never a proper death certificate ever filed for Patrick Mullins within, this, within Guilford County or the city of Greensboro. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that we know of how he left the city was the, ship, was the shipping details from the train log um, that showed his name and that the, this was cargo going to Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. very interesting. I wonder why. So, um, well, I, that part we never could actually figure out. And the, and the ghost investigators, the paranormal investigators from here in Greensboro, um, they couldn't quite figure that out either, so that's just one of those mysteries that was left behind. So Mr. Mullins, his body was found in the fall or early uh, winter of 1932. In the late winter, early spring of 1933, um, there will be a young, young red-headed woman's body found at the foot of the stairs. Now at this time period, um, the staircase was open to all three floors. It was designed that way, and you would enter to get to the apartments upstairs, you would enter through what is now the fire exit. So mm -hmm. just on the inside of that door at the foot of those steps is where her body was found. Wow. Uh, there was a write-up that we found in the paper, or not in the paper, but nothing, but if I'm not mistaken, I think it was the Greensboro Peacekeeper or Peacemaker. They kind of had a, uh, do you know anything about this situation at one time, and mm -hmm. it's kind of like a, uh, Crime Stoppers now, I guess, would be yeah. the closest thing to describe it as. 
Uh, they described of a young redheaded woman known to her friends by the name of Lydia, um, about the age of 32 or 33, had been found dead at the, at the foot of the steps at 111 and a half West Washington Street. 111 and a half on West Washington Street was what the top two floors of this building was considered. Okay. Up until shortly after, um, shortly after this young woman is found. So I assume that this young woman that's found at the foot of the steps is the reason that Miss Taylor was brought up on charges of impropriety. Mm. Um, so they're very well possibly, I believe, there to be a connection mm -hmm. um, since the the proximity of time of Philip's body being found just very much not even six months later um, a young woman will be found uh, dead here in the Harris property as well uh, so those are those would be the two of the most popular guests that have never left I, I suppose you could call them that <laughs> um, but Miss about Philip is the most curious of the two actually um, I, we take it that he has a, a fascination or was quite the ladies man um, uh, females who have sit in the hallway whether reading a book or turning a corner or whatever the case may be, have a sensation of what is described as walking through a spider web, where you get that, that slight brush across yeah. the cheek, um, but you don't actually see anything. Um, or there'll be, uh, we've had reports of um, someone pacing the third floor hallway, just back and forth, back and forth, and people report hearing um, the sound of a hard bottom shoe smacking on the hardwood floor. But no one has ever quite put together that the entire hallway's carpeted. You don't hear footsteps. That's interesting. So they hear the distinct sound mm -hmm. of someone is that, walking. Is that pat, is that pat, that pat yeah. noise of a man's shoe hitting hardwood, hitting a hardwood floor? Because at the time that Mr. Mullins was here, there would have been no carpet on the interior, and the floors was the only wood used in the building. Wow. So really, he could see the hotel exactly as it was before, mm -hmm. and like, maybe that's why ghosts are so anti-renovations. Because you know how like. They People. don't. They don't see how it becomes. They only. They only see the space that they're trapped yeah, in as exactly. it has always been to them. Yeah. That's so interesting. So, um, in that particular room that contains the window that Mr. Mullins have supposedly had jumped from, um, there has been several guests who have woken up to find that someone has trifled through their luggage or through mm -hmm. their bags in the middle of the night. And most of the time, when they when when someone finds something that's been trifled through, it's a gentleman. Um, huh. So, and he likes to go around tapping ladies on the shoulder or brushing their cheeks, but he's at, he's also, he must have been kind of a snappy dresser, um, because the things that he kind of gravitates toward um, are men's jackets, mm -hmm. um, men's shoes, especially new shoes. I'm not exactly sure what that connection may be. Huh, so um, what do you say to guests? Well, well... <laughs> Um, there is a gentleman who works at the local radio station who stays here with us on a regular basis, um, and he he is the gentleman who had has had several issues with shoes. Wow! Um, woken up in the middle of the night, he went out and went shopping, and here's the wrestling of paper bags. Um, the shopping bag is wrestling. Mm -hmm. So he you know gets up inspecting to find to find you know possibly something inside the bag causing this to happen, not to find anything. Um, so he, he, he said he took the shoes out of the box and out of the sh tissue paper that they were wrapped in um, and put them on the floor to hope that, you know, whatever mm -hmm. that was had been gone. Well, then when he wakes up the next morning, these items have then been taken apart. Huh. The box has been taken out of the bag. The tissue okay. is out of the box. Um, but the shoes are still where they were left. 
um, where, where, where the gentleman had put them. Yeah. Um, so he, <laughs> it spooked him so bad he won't even stay in any king room. Oh but he still God. stays here, but he won't stay in the king room anymore. So it happens in all rooms, but the, specifically the king rooms? Yeah. Okay. And just because he's just dodging that one room. He just doesn't want to accidentally get put in that one room. Wow. Um, we've had people who have uh, smelled cigar smoke um, in the hallway or in that actual room itself. Um, funny enough, there is a lady from High, from not High Point, but from Summerfield, um, who we seem to think that she has some sort of relationship with Mr. Mullins um, because she'll come in on a Friday, um, stay in that room if it's available, and only if it's available. Um, she'll lock the door and doesn't come out until Monday morning. And um, with her, she brings things like cognac, cigars, and that oh sort of thing. Oh my gosh, have you talked to her about I have like, talked to her about this. What she say? Um, well, she has told me that she can actually feel the presence of a man in the room. Like, he sits down on the bed, he climbs in the bed with her at night, they carry on conversations, oh my and this gosh. sort of thing. So it does actually seem like, you know, she's got, you know, a relation with a dead guy. Um, but, uh, you know, each to their own, whatever makes people happy. Wow. Um, so then, uh, then Lydia would be the lady um, at the foot of the stairs. Um, Mr. M uh, Mr. Mullins always, all, he always seems to tend to hang out on the third floor. You never find any evidence of him downstairs mm -hmm. unless he's the gentleman um, that stands at the desk and says hello <laughs> um, that no one ever sees. Uh, but then uh, Miss Lydia, she's probably the more popular of the two. Um, the, the ghost hunters, taps, um, when they came, they brought a medium. Um, and their focus was Miss Lydia, mm -hmm. um, and they, the media, media got her to um, announce her presence, um, tell them that uh, pink, um, not exactly sure what it was, but there was something about the color pink, um, and then um, she had red hair, mm -hmm. and there's lots more, and that her name could have been Linda or Lydia or an L word. But what we discovered was, um, through the local investigation, local investigators did, and from 1925 until about 1940, 45% of the f women's names in Greensboro was either first or middle name was Lydia. That's insane. <laughs> like, I know popular names, but like, that's just so many people. Yeah, that's a lot of people. Um, so Lydia was given to, a, a, the Lydia name was given to a lot of the female apparitions or ghosts that, that are around Greensboro, such as, you know, the Jamestown Bridge, um, the lady in white is referred to as Lydia, uh, the lady that hangs out at um, Natty Green's and, and, and McCool's is referred to as Lydia it's, as well. Okay, we have to get to those. Let's <laughs> sidebar and then we'll come back to this. Okay, so... Um, she, her, our Lydia, um, was found in 1933 at the foot of the steps. Now, at the time there wasn't a banister and the reason that there wasn't a wall. So the reason that that is important is because she was more than likely pushed over the banister. Mm. So it's not like a tumbling down the stairs kind of thing. Okay. Um, the, the, the medium that was here claimed that she was trying to get down the hallway to, a, to a, another female that was possibly in childbirth. Um, given the reputation of the property at the time, if the ladies were um, ladies of the evening, um, prophylactics and things that prevent pregnancy 
were very expensive and not very readily available. Mm. Um, so I'm sure a great many of the ladies probably found themselves um, with child and given the reputation of the property, they wouldn't have been able to have been taken to the local hospital because mm -hmm. they weren't married women and children. So that's the kind of the reason that we have took that someone may have pushed her over the stairs. Um, but she doesn't make her presence known as frequently as Philip does. But there has been several times um, that she has very much made her presence known. The third shift, um, here's what they describe as a ball being dropped. Um, but you don't get the ending where you get a bump, 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 bump. Mm -hmm. This is more of a bump, bump. Oh, like over the banister. Like over the banister. You hit a step, you hit another step maybe, but then you crash to the floor. So there's not a, there's not a tumbling sound. Okay. Um, also, uh, you can always know when you pass her in the hallway, um, there's a very overt smell of, of perfume, um, a very old perfume, okay. it's a very strong floral smell. Like an older lady's yeah. floral perfume? like the lady you're sitting next to at church put on far too much <laughs> perfume. That's, that's the smell you get, but it doesn't encompass the entire space. It's just like you walked past somebody. Wow. Um, also in the stairs, there's been five, I've worked here since 2009. Um, in my tenure here at the hotel, there's been five different gentlemen that have claimed to have been pushed on the stairs, three of which have actually fallen. Were they um, okay? Yeah, no one has been, ever been hurt, and the one guy even made it to the bottom um, holding a bottle. Wow. And it never broke. He never broke it and it never spilled. And so, these five people, have they all been men? They have all been men. That's interesting. They have all been in some sort of state of inebriation. Mm. And we have cameras in the hallway because you can't see into the hallway. Mm -hmm. um, it's a fire exit, so it has to be enclosed completely. And of course, for insurance purposes, all these cameras, each time someone falls in the staircase, it has to be, it has to be viewed. Um, so it's not like they kind of lose their balance from drinking too much. You can literally see their shoulders pop backwards, like someone standing You can in front. watch the video of this happening. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So they're actually, you know, they're kind of stumbling up the stairs and there's a pause. And then it looks like someone's literally standing in front of them. You see the shoulder bounce backwards. And then they fall. Now these stairs are made from originally from brick and have been covered in concrete at some point in the history. Ah. They're not covered in anything soft. And we've had five people fall down those steps and not one person has ever hurt themselves because they claim huh. they have been pushed. Hmm. This is very crazy. Like, yeah. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> so, also, um, Lydia has a tendency of, um, she doesn't like to be referred to by anything derogatory. Hmm. So we have a tendency of just calling her by her name, um, or what we think her name to be. Um, and given that the pink uh, uh, was possibly one of her favorite colors, the particular room that she supposedly resided in um, has been painted pink. It is probably one. Of, it is the only place in the building that is far oh, more feminine so than the rest nice. of the building altogether. Um, pictures of gardens and flowers and that sort of thing, um, hopefully to appease. Yeah. To to appease her, and it and it to to a degree it's worked. Um, but the story is is has gotten out. So we have people knowing that she has a fascination with pink things. Um, bring her gifts, like um, what? offerings and set whatnot. Well, there's a purse that someone had left behind, um, had given to her. So when someone, when people find it, they just keep adding things to it. Oh, that's so cool. We have found things like pink lipstick and eyeshadows and jewelry. Um, the one lady left her a pair of pink heels one time. Of 
course, wow. a lot of these things can't be left in the room for her to, I don't know, enjoy or use yeah, or whatever the what case may be because people would get the wrong idea if they found them. Um, we even had a gentleman who carved two pink roses um, from wood and left them in her room. Oh my um, God. So Did that, you keep them in the room? We kept them in the room as long as they would stay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's not anything out of the ordinary. It was just kind of, you know, they just kind of laid yeah. there and it was very pretty. Um, but the, the story of her purse is there was a guest who found it. It was two ladies had been in the room over the course of the weekend. Um, and the one lady checked out before the other lady did, and the one lady finds the purse and assumes it was the lady that was with her. So she puts it in her suitcase and is going to give it back to her when she sees her. Whether this had anything to do with it or not, but that same lady who took the purse was locked in that room for two hours. Me and the maintenance man tried for two hours to get that door open. And it would not open. Oh, and when you got it to open, was it very easy? When we asked her if she had picked up the purse or had picked up any of the stuff that was left inside the room, and she said, of course, she had. She thought that the purse had belonged to the, her room, her roommate. And um, so we informed her that it wasn't hers. It had always been in there, and that if she would please put it back. And did. And the door popped open just as pretty oh as you please. Oh, my gosh. Of course it did. Of course it did. But the, the one thing, the one story um, that is the best, um, I come in one morning to host breakfast here at the hotel at 7 a.m. And shortly thereafter, a very infuriated mother comes down the steps and is standing at the desk and is in a very foul mood. Mm. So as she proceeds to tell me um, that her young son, who has, it was her, her husband, her daughter, um, and their young son, who happened to have autism. Um, and she wakes up. Uh, uh, some time before she comes downstairs to find her little boy in the bathroom carrying on a conversation with someone. Doors closed. Hmm. She can hear him talking and answering, um, but doesn't hear anybody else. Okay. So when she goes into the bathroom to find him there by himself, and for for what she says, for a child who rarely ever speaks, um, he spent the next thirty to forty-five minutes. Uh, just going on and on and on about who the pretty red-headed lady was. Wow. So what did she want you to do? Well, what she was assuming at the time, as she told me, um, as she said, um, this isn't fair, this isn't very funny, someone is playing a you know, very ugly trick on my son, he has autism, and she was very upset about this. Um, so at 7 o'clock in the morning, I had to reassure her that as me as the general manager and her as the guest, are the only two people that have keys to that door that there's not a housekeeper nor another member of staff on the property at that time of the morning or you know, mm -hmm. that early um, besides myself at that particular morning and moreover than that not one member of staff has red hair wow what did she say so she wanted an explanation so the only one I could give her <laughs> the truth, I guess. was, I guess, this is as far as the truth, yeah. Um, so she very quickly collects her family, checks out and leaves, um, and not much more else is said about it besides the little boy comes downstairs going on and on and on and on about the pretty red-headed lady. Oh my God, that's so crazy. And to our knowledge, he is the only person who's ever seen her. Wow, and of course as a kid, mm -hmm. and of course as a kid who could like be more sensitive Absolutely. to the paranormal. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And we've had several people um, who've evidently had sensitivities 
uh, to that that type of energy. We had a um, it was a girls' night girls' night out. Um, uh, best girlfriend was taking her, her her best friend out for a night out. They <laughs> rent a room. It just happens to be two twenty three. Um, the the girls whose birthday it is um, wakes up in the middle of the night. Um, comes downstairs and tells the third shift person that she's very upset um, and it's just because she's been having bad dreams and these bad dreams is her pushing her best friend off the stairs oh my god and it just keeps happening every time she said she would fall asleep she'd have the same nightmare of her pushing her best friend off the stairs wow um, to the point to where she just couldn't sleep any longer there was a couple, a married couple, a gentleman and his wife who'd taken the ghost tour um, that, they, that, that Carolina History and Haunts does in downtown. Mm -hmm. And his wife dared him to stay in the room that <laughs> supposedly contains Miss Lydia's spirit. Um, and of course, him not believing any of it, he's like, sure, absolutely, why not? So when they come down from breakfast the next morning, she's laughing her head off. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, what are we, what, you know, what, I want to know the joke too. Yeah. So what she's doing is she's poking fun at her husband because uh, they were um, um, engaging in activities that married couples do. <laughs> All right, couples do, period. Um, but, uh, and he keeps hearing um, someone in his ear go, shh, shh, um, in the midst of uh, the, the relation. Um, I assume the television pops on all by itself. The telephone rings. Um, so, of course, it kills the mood, I'm assuming, um, because she's still poking fun at him about that as well. <laughs> and uh, they go to sleep. He wakes up in the middle of the night because he hears here what he describes as tapping. Like someone's walking across the floor okay. um, uh, in a pair of high heel shoes. High heel shoes on a wooden floor oh. is a very distinct sound. Everyone yeah. knows that from school, your teacher walking down a hallway, that's that same sound. So he wakes up, finds that the bathroom door is closed, the, the light is on, and there's water running like someone's in the shower. And his wife is right next and to him? And his wife is next to him in the bed. Oh my God. Not brave enough to open the door. <laughs> he lit, This is like four or five o'clock in the morning. He wakes his wife up and does not let her go back to sleep because he can't go back to sleep either. So she's got oh all God. kinds of jokes. The so next he morning. believes that. He he was a firm <laughs> believer. Um, and if if that particular room sits empty for too long, now this is the craziest thing that I can't explain. I can explain any kind of noise. It's a hundred and sixteen mm -hmm. year old building. Um, but if that room sits empty for too long, for more than a week or so, and no one actually goes into that room, mm -hmm. um, no one stays there. You know, the housekeepers of course come and go. But what you will find is literal red hair, long red hair in the floor. Like a like a woman has been standing at the mirror brushing her hair. Oh my god. And it, you know how when you brush when a woman will brush her hair it'll create this little crescent of, of hair at the back of her feet from it falls down her back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is exactly the same thing. Or um, there'll be red hair in the bathtub. Whereas someone had looks as if they have taken a shower. And it's like a week that yeah, it's this two room. or three days That's if the room nothing. is left empty for very long. Huh. I wonder if she likes having a guest there or not. 
Well, I guess things that depends upon who the guest is. Huh. She seems to be more present when there's men around. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that angers or get causes that, that her energy tension. Mm -hmm. um, but she seems to be much more calm and a bit more playful when playful when there's when there's women. In her okay. Room. So she'd prefer if there's like a woman staying in the room. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's always seems to be some sort of issue with 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 her presence when there's a man in mm -hmm. her room. And those aren't the only two. Um, there's more there's, there's more in the hotel? Well, this building is 116 years old, and if it was used as a brothel, imagine how much energy oh my God, the this building has energy. seen. If, if, you know, if the philosophy is energy never dies, yeah. then this place is alive. Um, if they made uh, moonshine or gin in the basement, um, someone had to manage, man, man those steels. So the explosion in 1965 that eventually closed the building... Um, I'm sure whoever was manning those steels was down here mm. um, in the basement when they exploded. So that would explain um, hearing footsteps down here. Um, one of the owners has an office um, here in the basement mm -hmm. and uh, uh, he hears footsteps. What he says sounds like combat boots or work boots on a concrete floor. On concrete and we're sitting on carpet. Okay. This, on the other side is concrete. This is the only part of the basement that's carpeted. All right. Um, he also hears music that he describes as coming like from an old Vitrola. Um, so this was this was also the only building in downtown that had a basement up until the mid-1940s. Yeah, I was about that. So it's very, very possible that Miss Taylor and Mr. Mullins have, you know, the the facade of an apartment building upstairs, but very, very much could have had some sort of secret, you know, jute joint or, yeah, or dive um, here in the basement. No one would have ever known because no other building had a basement. And is it like old timey music that he's hearing? That's what he's hearing. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so cool. <laughs> um, so, and then there is uh, the little boy. There is a, a, a little blonde-headed fellow that people see wandering around. Um, he primarily is seen playing in the elevator. Mm -hmm. You just kind of get a glimpse of him out of the corner of your eye. Um, probably around the age of 10 or 12, uh, chubby little blonde-headed fellow. Um, people also hear children la a child laughing, um, sometimes on the second floor. <sighs> that is so crazy. So from, I don't know if, if, if the property still is or not, um, but at one time, uh, 111 West Washington Street was on the list of uh, ten of the most haunted places in the state of North Carolina. Really? At one time, I don't know if we're still on the list or not. I haven't looked in quite a while. Wow. At one time, yeah. So, Miss Taylor, um, the, the whole building was converted into apartments after she was brought up on charges of impropriety in 1933. Mm -hmm. um, it was 15 apartments, um, and every and it was completely occupied um, up until 1965, and from 65 until 68 before it's turned into a proper hotel. Um, in 1968, it was used as a flop house or a halfway house for railroad transient. Okay. Um, so you have even more of kind of a displaced yeah. population of the, of the hotel um, housing um, with maybe not always the best energies around. Um, but if you're ever here during the day, uh, the, the, the hallways, the rooms, the building itself has a bit of a lighter um, feel to it. But as soon as the sun goes down, the atmosphere becomes very heavy. Um, mm -hmm. almost overbearing um, especially in like the hallways and the staircases is there like a feeling of dread uh, of a dread of, of uh, foreboding of something going to happen mm -hmm. that you can't quite 
know what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and for those people who have come looking for something, have very rarely ever found it. Um, it's always those people who don't know. That's always how it is. That's always, yeah. If you, you very, very rarely find that you'll find what it is when you, once you go looking for it. Um, once, once you've quit looking is when it finds you. Wow. Um, so, a, you know, a shadow turning a corner, uh, the smell of, of smoke, especially at the back side mm -hmm. of the building. Um, people get, people have that a lot, especially on the first floor. Um, so where we're sitting now would have been the part where the explosion was in 65. Oh, wow. So the, the, the ceiling and floors above us would have all been destroyed because the building was made out of brick. The explosion could only go up. Mm -hmm. It couldn't go out. That being underground as well. Um, so if there was anybody in the rooms or in the hallways when that explosion happens above us, they got taken out by the explosion as well. Wow. And have you seen any ghosts personally? Philip. Philip. I've actually seen Philip. Okay. Can um, you describe him? Yes, absolutely. So when I became as a housekeeper here in 2009, the, we weren't given keys to the rooms. So the front door, the front desk would open all the doors of the rooms mm -hmm. that needed to be cleaned. So um, just a little backstory of it. Every room, there, if you look in the door, there's a window. Okay. Straight across, right in front of the door. Across the room, there's a window. So I'm walking down the third floor hallway. I turn the corner and I kind of glance, you know, to the side because that particular room's door is standing open. Mm -hmm. And I see a tall, lanky gentleman in a trench coat, long coat, and a round top derby hat. Now someone standing in the room looking out the window, not the strangest thing in the world, of course, but the room was standing, the door was standing open, which means there shouldn't be anybody there. So I back up to see if I can, you know, assist yeah. the, the gentleman standing in the room in the, you know, at this point, what, a hundred, almost a hundred year old hat. I mean, don't wear derby hats anymore. No. <laughs> um, right. Um, so that was the first part that kept, you know, I was like, well, who's the dapper gentleman staring out the window? Mm -hmm. You know, just to back up to find that there's nobody there. And I'm literally just feet beyond the door. So if anyone had exited that, yeah, you would have seen I would have been, they would have bumped into me. So I back up to see, you know, who, who was, who's there um, to find that there's nobody standing there. So I um, get on the phone in the room and I call down the front desk and I'm like, you know, has, you know, gave them the room number to inquire that if, has it been checked out? They were like, yeah, that guest has been gone for hours. I'm like, well, who's the tall, skinny fellow that I just saw standing in the window? I was like, did he come downstairs? Did you see somebody? And the gentleman at the front desk um, uh, no longer works here. He was like, no, nope, haven't seen anybody left and everyone's checked out. So the only people in the whole building is just me and you. Oh I'm like, okay, well, someone's got some explaining to do. Uh, so that's when I came downstairs and I told the general manager, who happened to be the, Ronnie, who was the general manager at the time and at the desk that day. Um, so he takes me, he pulls out the picture. He's like, does this look like the guy that you saw standing in the window? And I'm like, yeah, but that's a black and white picture. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, this his, he was, his body was found outside the hotel in, in the early 30s. Oh my gosh. At this point, are you believing in the paranormal or like... Well, I, I do believe in the philosophy that energy doesn't die. Okay. Um, if energy chooses to stay, you know, if it's something traumatic and it gets trapped mm -hmm. and it chooses to make makes a choice to stay in a particular location, um, I think that's very possible. Um, I, I don't think that we are quite as entombed. To the world around us as Definitely. we may have once have been in, in our history of evolution or creation. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, um, to pass Lydia in the hallway, to be knocked out by her perfume, 
um, to watch uh, the ceiling fan outside of her room turn three times as fast um, as the other ones in the hallway oh to the point to where it will literally click. It turns so quickly. Wow. Um, we can't put, um, we've changed to LED bulbs in her particular room and in the hallway outside her room um, because the chandelier in the hallway would constantly pop. We were changing those light when they were in, when they were incandescent bulbs. We were changing those light bulbs every two or three days. Every two or three days. Because they would someone they would someone would shut the door, the light bulb would pop. Oh you know, incandescent makes that popping noise when it yeah. blows. Yeah. Where the new LED bulbs don't. And do just that. in that one. Just that one fixture. None of down the hallway. None of the other fixtures had a problem. And I even went to the point of having an electrician come in because I was determined that there was something wrong. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, everything's hooked up the way it's supposed. There's no power surges or anything like that. <laughs> she also has a habit of shutting the door. Um, so if you don't ask her permission um, to leave the door standing open, as you walk past it, it will s s gradually creep closed. Not enough for the latches, but just enough to where you can't see in any longer. Okay. Um, and being the skeptic, I took the door off the hinges, put it on another door frame, and it didn't do it. I put another door on that frame, took a T-square, made sure all the, everything was flush, mm -hmm. and you know, in an old building, it's probably just where something's leaning or and it's gonna cause things to close on yeah. the Nope. Oh Flipped it gosh. over, turned it over. Turned the door over, put it back on its hinges, and it's still closed. I love that you did this, because for anyone listening, like skeptics, you have to like try and you've got to debunk it. it. Yeah, you've got to try to debunk it. Yeah. Um, so now here, here at the hotel, we have a little uh, a funny saying that we say if we hear something we can't explain, it's the cat did it. <laughs> you know, as a little kid, you're always playing something being broken or something like the cat or the dog did it or someone else did it, and that's that's what we say. And then most guests are hanging around. They're like, "Y'all have a cat?" And we're like, "No, there's no cat here." <laughs> And then they just kind of look at you curiously. But we also don't bring up the ghost stories unless people ask us about yeah. them first. Um, because some people who've, who've stayed with us have got online and discovered the stories and whatnot and have gotten very uncomfortable mm. with the fact that there may be um, unsettled energies here in the property. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think they're out to hurt anybody. Uh, I just think that Miss Lydia, if that is her name, she's probably just angry. Um, her, given her life situation, it probably couldn't have been a very pleasant one. Yeah. And to be such a dramatic demise um, probably just angered her that much more. Uh, Philip, on the other hand, he just may be the landlord that never wants to leave. <laughs> um, but uh, at any given point, uh, there um, is someone has a brand new story. There's a new story every single time someone stays here. Someone else has experienced That's something That's so else. cool. Um, but uh, you can go to YouTube, and if you search Philip Moves in Orange at the Biltmore Greensboro Hotel, you can see part of the footage that they did. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you can see part of the Philip where the, and then the, the footage is, it's the day of the lights turned out, and the little light flashlight sitting on top of the dresser in that particular room. Um, they've coated the top of the dresser in baby powder, and they've set up orange in front of the light of this flashlight. Okay. And there's two or three people just standing around. You know, they have them all on film so you can see where everybody's at. And the medium is taunting Philip. You know, show your presence, prove that you're here, 
why would a medium do that? That's something that's like yeah, ghost hunters do. Yeah. To um, like rile them up. To, just to prove that their presence is there. So as she's talking, you they have the footage. If you can see this orange takes a full rotation to the left. And then it takes a full rotation back to the right. So what, of course, what it's doing is it's exposing and covering the light coming from this flashlight. Well, the pictures, if you can find them on their websites or whatnot, but this isn't in the video. When, the, when they turn the lights back on, there's eight faint fingerprints on either side of this flashlight on t in that baby powder on top of the dresser. Oh, my God. That is sick. So, I cannot believe this. So, um, with everything that we've been shown, seen, heard, and told, it's very, very possible that Mr. Mullins still roams the third floor hallway, yeah. pacing back and forth, worried about, you know, some sort of bad investment or checking on the girls or whatever the case may be. And then Miss Lydia is still, I guess, seeking her revenge um, from any gentleman who decides to be um, ill-behaved in the staircase. Oh my God. I did have a couple of questions okay. for you. So how do you feel about aliens? I think that I didn't make it up, but I did read it. I do think it's very vain of humans to think that we are the only planet in the universe that has life on it. Same. That's so many people have said the same thing that it's just. It's not. It's it's not possible that this is the only planet in the in entire an universe. An infinite universe, as if there's one. That we were the only ones. Yeah. Not likely. Okay. Not so likely. We're on the same page. Not likely at all. If if life could, if life actually caused itself, you know, depending upon what you believe, if it's evolution or whether it's creation, whatever the mythology behind it was, life became on the planet we know as Earth. Mm -hmm. And there's a very strong possibility that that same thing happened on some other planet. May not be the same way. May not be the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I would dare say. If they're aliens, they have been around longer than we have, far more intelligent, and it is the path to where we're headed, but not quite here, there yet. Yeah, you know, some there is a theory that some people believe that aliens are just us from the future, which be. I like that one. I think it's interesting. But also, again, I don't like such a human-centric Right. Version of an so alien. Arrogant that yeah. They would think that we're the only ones, and they would look like us too, mm -hmm. because that's just how arrogant we are. <laughs> but yeah, there, there, there has to be life beyond what we know. Definitely. And, and what about consciousness like, beyond what we're aware of as well? Mm -hmm. Cryptids like um, Loch Ness monster, or like. Uh, like a tulpa. Have you heard of this before? Mm hmm Okay. And for anyone kind of like who doesn't the Sasquatch know, or the the, the, yeah. the little thing in Mexico that oh, the it? chupacabra. Yeah, the chupacabra, that sort of thing. Um Well, when it comes to things living in the water, a horseshoe crab, that gene is millions of years old. Mm hmm Is there something smart enough to keep out of human sight? for that long and hasn't been able to procreate and create more because eventually it would die. Everything does. Mm -hmm. um, not exactly sure on that one. Um, some fuzzy Bigfoot hanging out in the woods. Yeah. If there is, it's probably some 
humanoid bear or something crazy like that. I don't... Creatures beyond and in our imaginations, what people see mm -hmm. and their perceptions. Um, I, have a, I tell everyone that works here at the hotel, and I believe it to be true, that perception is reality. The way that people perceive things, it becomes real inside their head. Yeah, definitely. Um, so could someone have saw a large aquatic-type dinosaur swimming around in the lake? Like this? Absolutely. Was it this mammoth monster that they claim it to be? Maybe not. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, you know, it's, I it's, think that's it, a great. I think I think a lot. I think a lot of that is is a, is, a, is matters of perception of, of what you want it to be, um, or what people wish it would be, um, or just like going back to the paranormal. When you go looking for it, you don't find it. Mm -hmm. So you know, if you go looking for these ancient creatures or mythological creatures, you're not going to find one because if it was that simple. We'd have seen everyone would have seen it by now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think that's all the questions I had. Did you have any other stories you wanted to share? Um. No. I mean, there was there's been so many people that's coming mm -hmm. on. Um. The, and and to confirm uh, a lot of this is 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 people that actually have worked here. I spoke with one of the housekeepers or the one of the maids that worked here during the 1950s. And she asked me straight, point blank, do, they, do these people still see the red-headed lady in the stairs? Oh, my God. And I had not prompted her, never asked the first question about her or anything, and that was the first thing out of her mouth. Wow. And she would talk about the parties, the poker parties that they would, they would have, and all kinds of stuff. And, of course, at this point, she was um, 17 or 18, mm -hmm. um, uh, a young African-American woman, um, of course, when I talked to her, she was almost ninety years old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, she was she was just had all the questions, you know. Was, they still, you know, was the guy still upstairs? And it was it was oh like confirmations God. all over again. Yeah, confirmation, um, having a shared experience, yeah. so, so important. Two people, years apart, having the same experience. That's got to give some sort of validity Definitely. Um, to, to, to what's happening. Ah. So your energy don't die. Yeah. It just change forms. Really? Energy doesn't die. That's the name of this episode. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you so much for sitting down with me. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Don't forget you can also send them emails at fansandpod1 with your ghost stories or any other kind of stories that you wanted to share. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Stay spooky. Bye-bye.